It is an honor and privilege to be here this morning. I have heard so much about Grace Savan, particularly from two people. The first is Randy Ray. For those of you who may not have looked in the bulletin or heard earlier, I planted a church in Jackson, Mississippi, actually in a suburb of Jackson called Madison. And when I was pastoring the church, we called Randy to be our assistant pastor, and he is now the senior pastor of Madison Heights. The second person is Les Newsom. We moved to Oxford, Mississippi several years ago. Les is a neighbor and he is a friend. So between Randy and Les, I feel like in some sense, I know you guys. And so let me just say that I am thrilled to be here this morning. My wife and my son and my daughter were here for the first service and part of the second service And it is a real, real honor, and thank you. Our text this morning is 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 19 of 1 John chapter 4. This is written by the author of the Gospel of John. This is Jesus' beloved disciple. So let us begin with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation For our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we may know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. My daughter is 10 years old. And when she was three, she did something in one of our early worship services that I will never forget. Madison Heights had just transitioned from meeting in a gymnasium to meeting in an auditorium at a school. And my daughter had just transitioned from being in the nursery to being in the worship service. And on this particular Sunday, I started my sermon, and I noticed out of the corner of my eye 
that my wife and my daughter left to go into the foyer. And so I kept preaching. I didn't think anything about it. And suddenly, a few minutes later, the back door opens. And the the layout was similar to this, so it would be like that door opening. And nobody could see this little curly-haired, brown-eyed girl come into the auditorium except for me. And when I saw her, I knew that she was scared and she was lost. And before anybody could do anything, before anybody could say anything, she made a beeline down to me at the stage as fast as her little chubby legs would carry her. And so I did what any father would do. I walked over here and I reached down and I picked her up and I brought her back behind the podium and I hugged her tightly and I whispered in her ear that everything was okay and that I loved her. And then I just kept preaching as I held my daughter. Now, Grace of Anne, every woman, this is not an exaggeration, every woman was digging through her purse for Kleenex. It was makeup running like you have never seen in your life. The men all crossed their arms and they were shaking their heads at me. And I found out later that they thought it was a stunt that I had arranged, which I would never do. And here's why. Guess what the sermon was? The Father's love. It was on the Father's love. I held her. I loved her. I comforted her. She was lost and she was confused and she was scared. By the way, my wife wanted to mention from the first service, she did not fail as a mom. (laughs) She had gone to the bathroom and my daughter had escaped. That's what happened. Lost, scared, and confused. Runs to her father. Now, let's be honest. It's us, right? We live in a terrifying broken and sinful world. And more often than not, I don't know about you, but I'm filled with anxiety and fear. And here's the good news. Our Father stands before us this morning, inviting us into his arms to love us and to comfort us and to strengthen us, and to reassure us of his love and his grace and his mercy. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that we can come into this place and that you are here. You are here in all your glory, mysteriously. Lord, we thank you that you have placed your love upon your people, that you have pursued us, that you have redeemed us, that 
that you have brought us into your family, something that we don't deserve. Father, we ask that you would mold us and shape us, that you would craft us like a piece of clay into the image of Jesus, our King. And that when we leave here this morning and we go into the community, that people would know and realize that we are Christ followers. We are Christ lovers. We are children of the King. Father, may your word not return void this morning. May it make a eternal impression upon us. God, forgive the one who speaks, for my sins are great. Set me aside as you and you alone speak this morning. It's in the name of Jesus, and for his sake we pray. Amen. There are three questions that we're going to examine this morning regarding 1 John chapter 4. Three questions. The first one is this. How deep is the Father's love for us? How deep is the Father's love for us? In our passage, we see that God desires for us to know and experience the perfect love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, he longs for us to enter into that perfect communion that exists in the throne room of heaven between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to come be a part of this. I want you to experience this. So we see this in particular in three verses. Look at verses 9 and 10 and 13. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world. It's important. So that we might live through him, verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, notice this, to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a big word. Go to work tomorrow, use it, impress your friends. It means that God's wrath has been removed regarding sin that Jesus, as the atonement, has allowed the wrath that God has directed towards sinful people and a sinful creation and a sinful world, that because of Jesus, that is no longer the case for those that are in Christ. Then verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because, and notice this last part, he has given us of his Spirit, there you go, 9, 10, and 13, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our Trinitarian God, a cornerstone of our theological belief as Christians. What John is telling us in this passage is, if you could make a bumper sticker, love times three. Love times three. The Father loves you The Son loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. God's love is immense. So in verse 9, you see that the Father's love is so deep that he gives up his only Son. In verse 10, you see that the Son's love for us is so deep that he surrenders his life in obedience to the Father. It's one of the things that I love about the Gospels. I love reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I love it when Jesus says over and over again, I have come to do the will of my Father. 
In the throne room of heaven, God the Father looks to his son and he says, they're in rebellion, they're dead in their sins, they don't want anything to do with us. I need you to go and to redeem them. This is my eternal plan of love. This is my rescue mission. And the son comes willing to give up his life for us, willing to be the propitiation in obedience to the father. That is how deep the son's love is for us. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, his love for us is so great that he comes at the request of the Father and the Son. He comes to do their ministry to our souls. The Holy Spirit's love is so deep for us. And that is built upon and connected to how deep the love is between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He comes to dead, rebellious, filthy, sinful people. And he makes us new. He gives us a new life. And he brings us into the kingdom And he brings us into the family and he crowns us as sons and daughters of the king. Sons and daughters of the king. John is telling us in chapter four that our Trinitarian God is passionate about his people, that his love runs deep. His love runs deep. God is not marginally interested in us. He is not hot or cold regarding us. He is not unconcerned with us. God has pursued us in love and adopted us. And because his love is so deep, we can enter into the joyful, eternal, perfect, beautiful, and loving relationship that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is how deep the Father's love is for us. Deep. Eternally deep. How deep is the Father's love for us? What is, what is our response to God's deep, deep love, number two. What is our response to God's deep love for us? Two verses I want you to focus on. 1 John 4.11 and 1 John 4.19. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then 19. We love because he first loved us. What John is saying Very simply, this is one of those verses that kindergartners can easily understand. That the love of God is so deep and so great and so powerful that it is overwhelming. It is overwhelming. So the other night I'm flipping channels and I come across this show on the National Geographic channel about a dam in Washington on the Salmon River. And for whatever reasons, and I'm not exactly sure, I think it was for conservation purposes, they decided to blow up the dam that was 
holding back a magnificent and beautiful and giant lake. And National Geographic sent a photographer to do a time-lapse video of the destruction of the dam and the water as it surged forth. You can Google it. It's fascinating. And I remember watching that dam break. And it was one of the most amazing things, even though I wasn't seeing in purpose, in, in, excuse me, I wasn't seeing it live. It was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. The dam breaks, the water rushes forth. And all along this river, as it flows out from the dam, are these large, powerful trees. The only way I can describe it is when the water comes out of the dam, those trees break like you and I would break toothpicks. And the forest along the riverbed is just destroyed. And the water is so powerful, nothing stands in its way. That is us. When the love of God gets a hold of us, our hearts break forth with God's love. And so we will love. We will love the unlovely. We will begin to act and sound and look like our older brother Jesus when the love of God overwhelms us. We will love the people in this room because we have Jesus in common. We will love non-Christians, even the ones that are difficult to love, because we want to share the love that the Father has given us. We will love the people in this community, black or white, rich or poor, influential or unimportant as the world would see them, elephants or donkeys. Why? Because we have been radically changed by the freeing love that flows directly from the throne room of heaven. So in the early days of planting Madison Heights, I met a young man by the name of Mark. And over the span of several years, we developed a friendship. Mark was a young Hispanic man in the community. And one day we were standing at my, in my front yard talking. And Mark looked at me and he said, I need to confess something to you. I was a pastor. That's sort of par for the course. Mark said, Hunter, I, I, I'm not Hispanic, which I to some degree suspected. He said, I'm a, I'm a Muslim, and I was born and raised in Iraq. I'm a Shia Muslim, and, and Mark is not my name. My, my actual name is Ahmed, and my family was persecuted by Saddam Hussein, and I received political refugee status to come to the United States. I said, Mark, why, why are you just now telling me this? And he said, because I have 
been discriminated against as a Muslim. When I moved here, it was terrible. It was horrible. I couldn't take it. And so I decided that I would pretend to be Hispanic. I know they're discriminated against, but it's not as bad. And so I took on the name Mark. But that's really not who I am. I stood back and I said, Mark, man, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that that's been your experience. I am so sorry. I hope, God forbid, that I have treated you in such a way. And he said, no, pastor, no, no, no. You are a Christian. I said, Mark, what do you mean by that? And he said, I know everyone in this community, this culture claims to be Christian and they claim to go to church, but I know who the real ones are by the way they treat me. They're loving and they're kind and they're caring. And I know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You shall know them by their fruits. As you dwell on the text this morning and perhaps all week, let us pray that God would use us, broken vessels, to carry life-saving water to the spiritually thirsty. Let us be messengers of God's dynamic, overwhelming, inexhaustible, eternal, and unconditional love to each other, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our community. Let's be those Christians that my friend Mark talked about. And a footnote, Mark surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus a year later. So did his wife, and so did his children. Let's be those kind of Christians. That's our response. That is our response. Third question, how deep is God's love for us? What is our response to God's deep, deep love? Do I deserve God's deep love? 1 John 4, 17 and 18, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence, notice that, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Do we deserve the gift of God's love? The answer is unequivocally no. Apart from Christ, we stand condemned, guilty, no confidence whatsoever. There is every reason apart from Christ to be afraid. John is telling us in this passage that those who are not in Jesus are on the outside looking in. We're we're approaching Easter, and I've been reading some of the passages about Jesus' ascent into Jerusalem. But before we talk about that, I want us to go back 
to the beginning of the Old Testament in Genesis. And I want you to remember what happened when Adam and Eve sinned and all of creation fell under the curse of sin. What did God do? He escorted them out of the garden. What did the garden represent? The garden represented perfect fellowship with God. Man, his creation, and God were in a perfect relationship in a perfect place. And because of sin, they were on the outside looking in. And if you fast forward through the Old Testament, and really you come to the end, to those final books, which are called the Minor Prophets, one of the questions that they ask is this. Who is going to ascend the hill? Who is going to ascend the hill? In short, that means, where is our Messiah? And when is he going to take Jerusalem and become the Davidic king and make everything all right? When is this going to happen? Now think about Jesus the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the only one who never sinned, the only one who was perfect, the one who kept the covenant, the Son of God, is riding a donkey up the mountain into Jerusalem. He is the only person that has the right to walk into Jerusalem, claim it, own it, go into the temple, walk into the Holy of Holies without a sacrifice into the presence of God where his feet reside on earth. Only Jesus, the ultimate insider. Here's what's so beautiful about the gospel. What does Jesus do? He goes to the outside. He doesn't go to the inside. He goes to the outside. And so where do we find Jesus? We find him on the cross, in the middle of the town garbage dump. I hear this. The one who's on the inside goes outside so the ones on the outside can come inside. The reason Jesus goes to those outside of those walls, the reason he dies in the middle of the town garbage dump is so that we can return to the garden, so that we can return to perfect fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We had every reason to be afraid. We stood condemned. And because the the insider went to the outside, we now inherit the blessings of the covenant that Jesus has earned. It's beautiful. It's why the gospel is good news. Jesus, the resurrected one, has opened, if you will, the back door of the auditorium so that lost and confused children can run into the loving arms of their father. You see, John is telling us we have no reason to fear. He has us. We have no reason to fear because he is holding us. We are his children and we belong in the family and he is in our arms and we are in his arms. Hear Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Grace of Anne, 
I leave you with this. This summarizes those three questions unbelievably well. May these words guide you this week. May these words marinate in your soul. May these words be on the tip of your tongue. May these words rattle around in your soul all week. Hear this in closing. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Take that to heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, the insider, we rejoice in you because you have allowed us to come through the door and to be in your family and we no longer have any reason whatsoever to fear. Oh God, your love for us is so deep and we glorify you for that. Spirit, we rejoice that you have come and that you give life and that you give life abundantly. Oh God, we praise you, we honor you, we glorify you, we love you, we lift our souls up to you. We thank you for all that you have done for us. We rejoice that you have made the wretched your treasure. Thank you, God. Amen and amen.